At long last, I am able to say a few words of my own. Read my lips. Government is not the solution to our problem. Senator, good morning again in America. Well, look, Big Bird. Yes, we can. Government is the problem. Welcome, everybody, to a liberal and a conservative. Walk into a bar. My name is Matt, and I'm a liberal. My name's Tim. I'm a conservative. Thank you so much for joining us. Please check out our website at libcon.podbean.com. We're in the iTunes store. We're in the Google Play store. We're on Stitcher. Uh, come find us on Twitter. I'm at Libcon. Matt, Tim is Libcon. Tim, and buy Tim's book on Amazon. It's called Things I Want. Uh, well, you know, it was another week out there. I don't, I don't know that... Well, I, I can't really say that this one was... Less eventful than the last one. It was just very different. There's a lot going on out there, so we're gonna talk about the 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 the, the, the not a ban, the kind of ban, the whatever it is, the travel thing. Uh, we got a, a new Supreme Court nomination, and then a lot of uh, little intangibly things to talk about. Uh, before we get to all that, how are you? Great, man. Just. Um Trying to keep up with uh, life and businesses and jobs and work and ministry. And all at the same time, trying to figure out if our world's going to end. And it doesn't matter anyway. <laughs> what? That's, that's, the, what, that's a different sort of... Well, that's very liberal of you. What? <laughs> where, where did that come from? <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if we're at the end of the world quite yet. Am I the one that's got to calm you down this week? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm. I'm not. I'm. I'm good. Goodness, goodness gracious! All right. Well, uh, you know what? Let's uh, again. We'll just. We'll just. We'll just. We'll just go ahead and and get get a move on. Uh. So, uh, you know, we we should start with the. I, I don't. Is it a ban? Is it a not a ban? Is it a travel ban? Is it a thing? I don't know. It it, it was it was really crazy over the weekend. That's you know that's that that's that's all I can say. Friday that they dropped the travel thing and then all hell broke loose and it was it was it was it was it was not it was not a good weekend around here. So let's start off by talking about what this actually does. So it's a it it's a ninety day ban. Uh, on travel from seven countries. And I don't even have the list of all the countries. I know Iran and Iraq are on there. Uh, what I'm more concerned about is, is who's not on there, uh, which is where some of my concerns start. But, you know, why, why don't you... I, what, 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 how, how, did, how did you feel about all this? Well, a major thing for me was disappointment, um, but not... I don't think the same disappointment that everyone else had. I don't know if you read the draft version that got put out, but the draft version had provisions for create the creation of safe zones uh, for refugees, uh, or particularly Syrian refugees, which is something that at this point in time, I'm, I'm very much a proponent of. Um, I get why Obama didn't do them. I understand but I, I, I think it's necessary and needed, particularly with how many issues there, there are coming about in just on countries all over the world from the sheer numbers of refugees coming. If we could create safe zones where they could go to near their country or even in their country, 
then the world would be much better off in figuring out how to handle this situation. And it would put a Band-Aid on the just massive humanitarian crisis that, that has been going on, right? Um, and this was something that Trump was a proponent of. And it, I think it would allay all of the concerns that have stemmed from the immigration ban. Because I get saying, look, refugee, the refugees have caused a lot of issues in other countries. Um, and beyond just the fact that they're, these countries are being overwhelmed, right? Because we're not being overwhelmed. We're not right next door. But other countries like Germany, who welcomed everybody in, one, there's massive logistical struggles. But unfortunately, some of the terrorist attacks that have happened have happened either from actual refugees or people pretending to be refugees, right? So I get the desire to just put a temporary hold, like, wait, we need to figure out what's going on. We're just getting in. We need to see what's happening. So to me, that's all he did. He put a 120-day hold on the refugee program, which these people already go through waiting two years. And I get that waiting more time sucks and is horrible and wretched. But the president of the United States does have a responsibility to take care of the citizens of the United States first. And while we want to be open to everybody, considering what's been happening, I get the desire to put a hold on. I, if I was president, may not have, but I understand it. And I'm not furious about it. Um, and if he had just included the safe zones, then it would have made clear, look, we understand that we have a humanitarian obligation to get involved here and to actively be fighting to help these refugees. But we need to be careful and figure out exactly what we're doing as far as bringing them in. But he took out the safe zones. And that makes me mad. Yeah, that's that's fair. I, I didn't I sort of deliberately didn't read a lot of the draft things that were out there because there were there were there was a lot of misinformation floating around for a lot of different reasons on one because liberals were mad and there are a lot of liberal there are a lot of liberal media folk out there that are are doing some of the same stuff that conservative media did during the Obama administration where they're they're putting out information that's unverified and so I'm I'm trying to steer clear and I have been and I was last week too uh, trying to steer clear of things that I can't get a good at least a couple of different sourcings on a good example is that conversation between uh, supposedly that happened between the Mexican president and Trump that didn't that you know he threw out the somebody said that he threw out the bad ombre line and that was actually listed in one reputable news source but nobody else picked it up and of course the Mexican president and Trump both denied that it happened so you know and frankly if it had happened based on what's been going on, I don't think the Mexican president would have denied it. I think he would have come right out and said it. So, you know, there's no reason to believe that. But with regard to the ban, the the safe zones would have been great. And it's good to hear that he considered it. And But to me, there there are a couple of things that are really troubling about the ban. One of, one of which is... The, okay, it's not... It's lacking a focus on the... If it was just on the refugee program, I might have understood it better. 
But if it's just on the refugee program, then why do you turn around and throw just chuck in all these other countries in 90 days as almost as an afterthought? Was there a reason right now to ban travel from Iran? Was there a reason right now to ban travel from Iraq? Is more going on in Iran and Iraq that we don't know about? You know, I, why, why now? And then the rollout of it was terrible. And the rollout of it being terrible was not the fault of the media. Okay, the rollout of it being terrible, this was something that the administration screwed up. They screwed up not notifying key departments. They dropped it late in the day on a Friday when all government offices are closed the next day so nobody can ask questions. And what you've got is basically Trump on CNN announcing the ban and then Bob the security guard holding a green card from somebody in Iraq going, "Uh, you can't come in because Trump just said on CNN that you can't. And then all hell breaking loose. So that to me brings up a lot of questions, right? It brings up a lot of questions about uh, crisis management. Is this how the administration works? Is this how they function? Do they not feel? Do they feel like they don't have to communicate to people? I mean, I know he has this idea in his head that he's you got to be surprising. You got to not tell them what. Show them your cards. Don't tell them what's coming. But at some point, you gotta, you know, because we have all these people that have. I don't know that you can say they have every right to be here, but we, you know, we want a lot of these people here. You know, they're really important members of the education community, the scientific community that have been kept out. Uh, we had uh, all these people that had helped us in Iraq that couldn't get back in uh, when they risked their lives to, to help our military people and came over here afterward because their lives were in danger being in Iraq. Their lives are in danger when they go back for visits. But they go anyway, expecting to be able to come back here. And all of a sudden they couldn't, uh, you know, and, and a lot of this could have been. And now we know that these green card people have uh, there are exceptions in there. But but nobody knew that on Saturday morning. And what are you going to do? Call a home Department of Homeland Security on at 10 o'clock in the morning on a Saturday and expect to get an answer. Come on. You know, it, it just a lot of this. This this was all avoidable you know there were a lot of a lot of points coming from uh right thinking republicans saying it didn't have to be like this this is not this chaos was really self-inflicted i think and that to me is a big concern really big concern and the other thing that worries me is the influence of people like steve bannon and then there's this other kid who uh apparently authored this thing who is a protege of Bannon who are people that have absolutely no empathy in them at all. And I don't think that you can say that of Donald Trump. I, I think that you can say that Donald Trump is not one of the great thinkers of our time. And he's probably not going to be, but I'm not saying that he's lacking in intelligence. I just think that there are a lot of things that he probably hasn't paid a whole lot of attention to and maybe didn't notice over the years and now he's being forced to notice them and if it was his first impulse to have these things in then whose idea was it to take it out because who's whispering in his ear and really writing this stuff and that that is that's and we'll get more into that later with the reorder the, the national security council that that those are the, those are the things that concern me out of this and the other thing is, like, what does this do? Aside from aside from Syria, what was the point? Because 
no American, no terrorist attack that's taken place on American soil was committed by anyone from any of those countries that were banned. And the countries that those people did come from, countries like Egypt and Lebanon and the UAE and Saudi Arabia, uh, they're not on the list. So what have you prevented? You know, I, I, I don't I don't know. So that, I don't know. That's 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 kind of where I'm at with the thing is that there's a lot of common sense stuff that that could have done been done to, to take out some of the confusion and it, it didn't happen. Well, all right. So one. It's, man, it's just tough because I, I get the confusion on the rollout. Right. So. That said, all right, so maybe this should have been done on Monday, right? When you could get somebody on the phone and be able to figure it out and know what's going on. Um, I also, at the same time, I get not publicizing it and say, all right, in one week, this is what's going to happen, right? In the sense of, are you just giving terrorists a heads up? Like, hey, make sure you get in here within a week. Because we're going to shut it down here. Right? Um, but what, what, how, but how does that, okay, I understand that point, but let me just, let me just interrupt you for a second on that. That, because you've pointed out on several occasions that if you are a Syrian refugee, you can't just get here in a week. It's not like they can just go, oh crap, we better get this done because you know we can get this process done in 48 hours if we call the right guy. It takes months. Right, for the refugees, but I mean, this applied to way beyond just refugees, right? I mean, this this applied to literally every single non-citizen of the United States coming from those countries, even permanent residents. Uh, right. Now, permanent residents were supposed to be detained in America, right? They were supposed to be allowed to come to America and be detained there, and not even necessarily detained, just, you know, talked to, Um to verify who they were and everything in a more stringent manner than is already done. Um, so, I mean, yeah, sure. Refugee, no, but everybody else, I mean, this, this applied to a, a very large group of people. So I, I mean, I get that. Um, and then as far as the, the other complaint that comes up, this idea that, you know, no terrorists from those areas have committed a, an act of terrorism here. Um, well, one, the Somalia, yes, right? The Ohio State student. Was it Ohio State? Yeah, he, he, I, I, that, was he, that was actually, a Somalian. No, 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 no. I'm not talking, I'm not talking about general attacks. I'm talking about deaths. No one's died. There have been no deaths from any, because of any, I mean, that, that guy didn't actually kill anybody. He, there, there was an attack and he didn't succeed very well. But I'm talking about just, just from a death standpoint okay. because there was another kid. There was a no, we're, no one has died in a terrorist attack from any of those countries. Okay. Uh, and where the San Bernardino folks, where were they from? I can't remember. Was that Pakistan? Well, they, they were. One of them was from here. He traveled to Saudi Arabia, met his wife, brought her over. And, and his she, wife supposedly radicalized him. That's the story. And she was from Saudi Arabia. Yes. Okay. Um, and he was, I believe, his fam, his people were from Saudi Arabia originally. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. So again, that, again, the Saudi connection. That's all. All goes back to the Saudis. 
all goes back to the Saudis. Always come back to them. Um, well, I mean, it seems to, doesn't it? Right? Yeah, no, no. Um, I don't say that to be derogatory or sarcastic. I mean, it really, in a lot of ways, it does mm-hmm. kind of seem to always come back to the Saudis. So, I and I understand, like, and I get that argument as well, right? At the same time, these countries were taken from a list that the Obama administration put together, right? Of countries that created the potential for a security risk. And... No attacks have happened from them in our country yet. They have happened in other countries, and we're trying to prevent that from happening here. Well, and 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 I get I get that point. It's it's not again. I don't know. I think a lot of this, uh, you know, as 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 per usual, I think a lot of the outrage from the left is largely overblown. But I also understand the anger, and I understand why. I understand why people are afraid because it's so early in this process and so many nerves are still raw and everybody's, you know, trying to make sense of this thing. And, uh, you know, and that's, that's kind of where I thought Obama's steadiness in the crisis and being able to kind of come out and go, okay, look, this is what we're going to do. I know it sucks or whatever, but you know, or or maybe not a lot of people are going to like it, but this is the way it's going to go was a good thing. And it's the difference between the two leadership styles. Trump and his people, their response is, why are you questioning us, stupid media? You know, why everybody making stuff up, stupid? It, it doesn't it, it doesn't help the situation. You know, it's uh instead of instead of just coming out and going like, all right, look, this is this is this is how it's gonna go. And we're going to reevaluate this in 90 days. But for now, if they had said a lot of the things that you said, frankly, I think it would have helped a lot. You know, we're just getting in here. This is a, you know, this is a list that was put together by by the previous administration. We, we like kind of where it was going. So we're going to start here and, and this is why, you know, uh, and then, but then you take all of the rhetoric from the previous 18 months and pile it into this culminating event. And it, it it just it just blew up the tinderbox, you know. And I can't argue with the negativity of a lot of the rhetoric that's come out now on both sides. I'm 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 right, uh, but also I mean from Trump, absolutely right. Like I mean the you know because initially he did say Muslim ban, right? It's not like well, and there's a verified like, like Rudy Giuliani. I don't know if you saw that interview with Giuliani, but Giuliani said straight out, yeah, he came to me and said, how do I do a Muslim ban? And Rudy was like, well, you can't. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. So I mean, I I understand it. Like I I get what you're saying with the with the rhetoric and everything, it all culminating in this big event. Um. Now that said, the language of the actual order and the language that I've heard stemming from, as far as for the reasons and every and everything, hasn't been particularly inflammatory. Now. Now, they, that's, that's as you said, though, they shot themselves in the foot by being so inflammatory all the time coming up to this point. So, you know, but I, I am making an, a great effort to try and just look at exactly from that and see things from from their perspective. And so I, I, I understand the ban. Would it have been my first choice? Probably not. Would I much prefer to have seen us stress on the safe zones? Yes, absolutely. 
but I'm I'm not outraged. Now I'll be outraged if it takes longer than they're saying, um, you know. Or but I'm but for now I'm I'm okay. I'm okay with this this temporary temporary ban. I'm good. I'm I, I don't know that I want to say I'm okay with it, but I'm I'm kind of I'm I mean I'm with you in the sense of let's see how this plays out. That that that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at. You know, now that it seems like as long as the people that are that are residents here that were here legally that had jobs and families and lives and and everything back here have been allowed to get back, you know, that, that you know, which it sounds like that's sorting itself out. Uh then I'm okay with it. You know what? And 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 I'm even willing to forgive the 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 messiness of the rollout because Every administration, every one of them has had something big that they had to do early on that they blew the roll out of. Same time. That was awesome. <laughs> that was, that that was, was really not cool. rehearsed. Yeah. No, not at all. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> that may be our finest hour. Yeah. Uh, that's it. We're done. I don't think we're ever going to get any better than that. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, I, and I, and I, and I can't stress this enough. I've, I've, I've said this so many times and I'm, I'm going to, you know, let, look, the, the first 10 days or so of this were tough for me. Believe it or not, last week was me in the process of calming down. I am, I am okay. And I'm willing to let this play out. And, and, and I, 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 to, Everybody out there who is a liberal, please, 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 please take a deep breath and, and, you know, try to, you know, try not to get too lost in the outrage because the outrage isn't going to get us anywhere, you know, so, but, but I'm not saying I don't get it. I do, but you know, there's, you know, just everybody take a breath. It's, it's, there's so much anger out there. It's tough, but there is not enough anger before we're going to get into the court the court nomination here in just a second but i i want to say that i am not reading enough about the fact and i don't hear the administration talking about this and they have to the us bacon reserves are at a 50 year low 50 we are year almost, low we are almost drained of our bacon reserves oh and my no gosh. one stupid hipsters. i want i want executive orders something done about the bacon reserves come on Right? Hipsters with putting bacon on everything. You can't put bacon it on everything. Milk. Okay? There's a limited supply of pigs in the world. That is enough bacon milkshakes. All right? Cheeseburgers, breakfast. That's it. Waffle House runs out of bacon. It's your fault. Hipster, stupid, whatever. We have a new Supreme Court justice. His name is Neil, a nominated Supreme Court justice. His name is Neil. Is it, is it Gor- Gor- Gorsuch or Gorsuch? Gor- Gorkus? I was saying Gorkus. But maybe Gorkus. that's not right. I don't think, I don't think that's another <laughs> I think it's just it. the one G. <laughs> Gorkus. G- like G-O-R-S-U-H. I'm going to go with Gorsuch. It's either Gorsuch or Gorsuch. I don't know. Neil. We'll call him Neil. 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 Judge Neil. How about Judge Neil? Judge Neil. Judge Neil. All right. So we nominated Judge Neil. So since I'm pretty sure I know what your thoughts are going to be. Uh, I'll, I'll start this one off okay. as, as, as the liberal in this one. I, I'm not, 
I, I, I am, I, I again, imploring with liberals out there. Believe me, it could have been worse. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, he, he doesn't, he doesn't bother me, you know, because a lot of what I judge Supreme court judges on what I was afraid of with a Trump nomination, because he was really hard on John Roberts when Roberts voted to uphold stuff in the ACA by saying he, he betrayed us and, you know, John Roberts is not a real conservative and, you know, I'll, I'll nominate real conservatives, not like John Roberts, who is a traitor and blah, blah, blah. You know, John Roberts did something that I have a lot of respect for, which is he judges things the way that they're so he, he understands the role of the judiciary. And that's what I want in judges and reading some of the things that I've read out of Neil Gorsuch in the last Gorsuch. I'm going to judge Neil in the last couple of days. I, I think he understands the same concepts. I think he legitimately understands the role of a judge. He seems to be very well respected. He's overqualified. I, I, you know, I, I disagree with his reading of the constitution. His reading of the constitution is very similar to Scalia, which is very similar to a lot of, you know, this generation of conservative judges, you know, but he, but he doesn't strike me as an ideologue. In fact, he was, he wrote some very complimentary things about the decisions of both uh, Elena Kagan and Sonia Sotomayor in the last couple of years because they judge things the way that judge, they did what judges are supposed to do. They looked at the merits of things and, and, uh, and he was, he was laudatory of, of the jobs that they were doing and the writing that they were doing to me. That says a lot about who he is as a person. Uh, and I mean, I'm not going to say I'm thrilled. I still think that's Merrick, Merrick Garland's seat, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with it. I don't think it changes a lot about the, technically I don't think that the makeup of the court really doesn't change much. It stays basically where it was. It's the, as the, I think it was the Washington post wrote an entire article. It's Kennedy's court and it has been for ages and it stays that way. So, you know, that's, that's kind of what I, that's, that's really all, that's really all I got, you know? Yeah, I, I, I would tend to agree. And I get, I get the anger from Democrats and I, I share in some of that anger, as you said, that's Merrick Garland's seat. He should have been put in place six months ago. Hands down, no doubt. Not even a question. Unfortunately, this is where we're at. And as you said, it could have been a lot worse, right? Uh, Trump could have put in some crazy ideologue. He didn't. He's put forth an extremely qualified judge uh, who obviously, yes, is of a conservative bent, as was going to happen with just like any judge that Obama put forth had an obvious, had a liberal bent. Uh, even Merrick, who was pretty middle of the road, he definitely was center left though. Um, so, uh, I, I get your anger, vote out the Republicans who did that. Yeah. Stay angry in two years. I mean, seriously, guys, that's the biggest thing. If you're really upset about this, you gotta, you, you can't just disappear like you do every time there's a, there's a, a midterm election, you know? Yeah, as as Tim just said, which is what liberals do. Don't do that again. But at the same time, you know, I I, I don't know. I I honestly, I was sort of pleasantly surprised. Frankly, I is it weird of me to say that? I no, I was too. He's a good judge. We didn't get some crazy ideologue. He's a good, solid judge. What more do you want? Yeah, I don't. You know, 
I, 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 don't, I don't know. You know, I mean, I know that, you know, I mean, I, you know, that shot that Democrats had to really remake the court is, is, is gone, you know, uh, for a whole host of reasons, a lot of which are, are that they're just as much the fault of liberals as, as anything else. But, you know, because even if they had confirmed Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland is not a young guy. You know, he's not like, that's the one thing about Gorsuch that, that is interesting to me is that he's, he's not even 50. So he's going to be on the court for a really long time. He's the youngest nominee, you know, in, uh, in a while. Um, and you know, uh, by the time this is all said and done, he could be a flaming liberal by the time he's 75, who knows? Everybody thought Anthony, Anthony Kennedy was going to be this raging conservative, uh, you know, and clearly he's not. Ditto for John Roberts. Everybody assumed John Roberts was going to be a raging conservative. And, you know, he's he's had some pretty liberal votes in there in places. So, you know, you never know how these things are going to go. The court is the court is what it should be. It's a wild card. And it's based on, you know, an awful lot of factors that don't, you know, that don't just come down to liberal and conservative. And that's a good thing. That's the way it ought to be. Absolutely agreed. So, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't. I don't. I don't even know that we need to. I mean, anything else to? I really have nothing else to say about it. No, I really. I don't really have anything to add at all. Um, you know, and frankly, I'll be surprised if he gets another nomin another Supreme Court justice. Uh, you know, and, I kind of will be too. Unless a, yeah. a tragedy strikes, I, I don't see. I don't see it happening. None. None of the the current liberal judges are going to retire as long as Trump is president. No, so no, but I mean, it is worth noting that a number of them are granted. I think they probably take better care of themselves than Antonin Scalia did. Scalia was not exactly, you know, hit the gym every day <laughs> type of guy. God, right. rest, rest in rest in peace. Uh, that's that's not meant to be disrespectful or anything, but you know, uh, but we do have a number of judges that are well into their eighties right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it is very much anything can happen. So there's no telling. Uh, so anyhow, round of applause. Who you got this week? I didn't do a round of applause. I'm sorry. It wasn't on the agenda. Nowhere in yes, there did it say round of applause. Yes, it says round. It it. Right there, right up to the Round. Two. I was supposed to solve round. a round. I was supposed to what? get. And all the little typings, round was in there. I'm sorry. I I tried to quickly think on my head of someone to give a round of applause to, but I blah, 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 I don't know. <laughs> Fine. I, 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 can, I can do two. All right. Know, go I for it. To. So, all right. Well, my first one would go to Lisa Murkowski, the Republican senator from Alaska who proved, frankly, to me that outrage is useless, but legitimate complaints work, okay? I don't know if are you aware of what uh, Lisa, Senator Murkowski has decided to do regarding Betsy DeVos. Have you heard about this? Uh, just that she won't vote for her. Okay, so Betsy DeVos is is clearly, by most standards, most people watching a lot of people recognize that she's really not qualified to head up the department of education for a whole host of reasons. But what internet culture decided to focus on was the grizzly bear remark, which was dumb, but you know, uh, and funny and it's cute in a tweet, but it doesn't actually accomplish anything. And yes, she had a bumpy confirmation hearing and there were a lot of things wrong and she may or may not have plagiarized anything of it. But the biggest knock on her, the real complaint about this is that she's about to head the department that is in charge of public education. And she has no experience with public education. None. 
Everybody jumped on her and was all her, all the conservatives were like, oh, she's a big proponent of charter schools and we like charter schools. And well, but you still have to run public, the public school system as it is or not run it, but at least, you know, sort of mold it as the department of education is want to do. And she doesn't know anything about it. And Lisa Murkowski rightly says, I cannot support her nomination because no one, because she's a senator from Alaska and no one is going to drop a charter school in the middle of nowhere in Alaska. They rely on public education. And by Murkowski standards, DeVos, as everyone's been saying, has no experience with public education and it doesn't help the people of Alaska at all. It's a perfectly reasonable, sound, absolutely dead-on argument, and it may well be the nail in the coffin that prevents her from getting confirmed. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to, I mean, I'll, I'll certainly share an applause for her for standing by her beliefs. Uh, and I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm up in the air on, on, on Ms. DeVos. I'm, I'm not sure where I, where I feel on it. Um, I guess an issue for me is that I don't think she's ever even been a teacher. Like, no, she hasn't. <laughs> I I don't mind. I I don't mind if she hasn't been a public school teacher or a public school principal, right? Like, if you feel like there is something wrong with the system, I get the idea of trying to bring someone in from outside of the system, but. I'm just not convinced that being the the chairwoman uh, of the Alliance for School Choice or a board member for the Foundation for Excellent Education, Excellence in Education, is enough to qualify you for leading the Department of Education. I feel like you should have had at least some amount of experience in actually educating people. Yeah, and... She doesn't. Not that I've seen, you know, I mean, and we can we can chuck in all the other stuff that she brings too. but, you know, I don't I, I don't know. I, I, I think it is very clear that she's not qualified and I hope to God she's not confirmed. And I, I love Murkowski's stance on it because it's right on. And it's very similar to what you just said, just for different reasons. So, yeah. Anyway, my other round of applause this week goes to Bill Maher. I don't know if you've seen his teardown of. Uh, yet another phenomenal teardown of politically correct liberals that he did on his uh, show Friday night. But if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's absolutely fan freaking tastic. And again, please people go watch it and listen to what he says. Cause it's, 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 it, he's absolutely right. It's, it's, it's great. Check it out. So anyhow, moving on. Uh, there have been a lot of little things coming out of the administration over the last few days. And, and the, uh, a lot of this, it didn't necessarily get lost cause it was still in the news, but it is getting difficult to keep track of all of the things that have, have come out. I'm not even going to get into, I don't want to get into all the sort of ridiculous because there, there's been a lot of ridiculousness out of the man. In the last few days, the national prayer breakfast this morning was, was just nuts. And the, the, Black History Month thing that he did yesterday was also just, what are you doing? But, uh, but, but there are things that actually have the potential to matter, kind of, that, weren't, that, that, that are getting lost in a lot of this. First of all, the lobbying ban. Uh, 
which is just it's the it they they again this is this is one of those quote drain the swamp moments for him that you know he was very proud of and parading around about but um I the gist of it is that it bans current current administration members from lobbying for five years after they leave, and for life from working as lobbyists for foreign governments. Uh, it's a cute idea, but I don't think it has any. It, it, to me, it lacks teeth. It doesn't, which is what I'm gonna, I'm, I'm probably going to use that phrase a lot, but. In, in the process, he rescinded the order that Obama put on his people in 2009, which in a lot of ways was stronger than his. Obama, for example, stopped people, st- stopped his people from, if you had worked in, from lobbying the same industry that, from working for the same industry where they had previously been lobbyists. So Obama banned his people from two years. If you had worked for, say, Pfizer, then you couldn't work for the... If you'd been a lobbyist for Pfizer, then you couldn't work for the FDA for two years. Well, Trump dropped that back to one. Uh, And then, you know, I I don't know. I I, I just feel like this was largely, it's it's just, it's largely a lot of pomp and circumstance and not much else. I I don't know. What what, what did you think? Well, I... I was fascinated by the idea that this had less teeth than Obama's, and I've been trying to read and see where that, why people would say that. Um, the, I didn't say entirely. I said in some ways. The, not, so not two years to one year, uh, okay, but you're gaining three years on the other end, so that seems to even out. Was there anything else that, that lacked teeth? Well, those are, those are the two biggest differences. The reason I think it lacks teeth is that how do you enforce it? You know, he expanded this out to five years, but okay. So say he loses in four. How, how did, first of all, it only, and it also only, it stops them from lobbying the white house directly. It doesn't stop them from lobbying other departments. Um, and so it's not did this Obama's? congressional ban. No, it didn't because white house, because this is one of the, it's, it's one of those limitations right? of, right. It can, you can't. Right. So, it's it, but it was it was presented as though here we've fixed the lobbying problem, and it's like, well, no, you really haven't because that's going to take more than than just this. Yeah, sure. You know, there's going to have to be more done at the at the legislative level. He can do, and so did Obama. And, and you know, in the last now, I don't know what's been done in previous administrations before Obama, but I think Obama's administration and now Trump's have taken steps to ease up lobbying within the executive branch. But that to me, isn't really the problem to me. The problem is legislative lobbying that needs to, we need to find some way of, you know, reining that in more so than anything else. And this may have been a step, but I don't know that it's necessarily anything groundbreaking one way or the other. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I mean, I guess it's not, groundbreaking in the sense that, I mean, Clinton had a similar rule, right? Now, Clinton then got rid of it right before he left office, right? Um, right when it would have you know been important. So that was no good. Uh, Obama didn't get rid of it, but he did uh, he did do waivers for a lot of for several for a lot of people, right? so that it wouldn't affect them. So this is similar to what other administrations have done. It's for a longer lasting, which is a, a good thing, I think. 
Uh, so we'll see if he does any sort of reneging at the end of his tenure. And we'll see if this is just a first step. But I think it should be applauded as good first step. All right. Way to go. Glad you're taking what action you can this early on to fulfill your promise to, quote unquote, drain the swamp. We'll see what happens. Well, yeah, I mean, that's I'm not again, I'm not necessarily I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's kind of meh. It, it was. Yeah. I mean, it's as much as he can it do a little, right now. A little whatever. Yeah. I mean, I, I would have been more impressed with. I, th- I think what I'm saying is that I would have been more impressed with him attempting to put some real pressure on Congress to address legislative lobbying. Well, it, and he might. And I don't, yeah, I don't know I, if I he mean, will. I mean, it's two weeks in. Like, you know, I, I, mean, I would like to see more of what are you going to try to do? I, and I think that's, the, that's the, the issue that I have with a lot of the executive orders is that a lot of this is – some of this is largely ceremonial. And, and I, I want to know more about – uh, and again, it's 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 the proud cocking to a certain extent. Look at everything I'm doing, and 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 it goes along. I think it happens probably with everybody. But you know, it I I'm more I am more interested in seeing what happens once the legislative session really kicks up, and how what kind of pressure does he put on them to do some of the things that I that I that he's talked about that I think are good ideas. For example, the term limit thing really pushing to to rein in legislate lobbying the legislature things like that that that'll that's more interesting to me than this so yeah i don't know so next up and this is this is the one actually we'll hold that one off to the end the next one would be the re, the regulation or the order about regulations so for every new regulation two regulations must be identified so if you're going to bring in a new law then you have to and that and and identified really is the key word in this, not stricken, but identified. Now it was touted by the administration as though this is a way to strike laws, but again, the legislature the the legislature has to do that. The executive branch really can't. So, uh, you know, it it doesn't. I, I, again, to me, it sort of lacks teeth, and it doesn't actually say anything about removing the legislation, the regulations once they've been identified. So, you know, again, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not angry about it. I, I, I just don't, I don't know how enforceable it is. So I'm a little skeptical of it, I guess is what I'm saying. Man, I guess uh, the identifying thing is new to me. So, I mean, I guess I'll have to read up on it, but it seemed to me, it seemed pretty straightforward and it didn't seem like it was, Going after actual laws in the legislature, like I don't, I don't, I never felt like it was being touted that way. It's this is a matter of the 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 executive branch has control over a number of departments and federal agencies, and those agencies issue regulations. And a prime thought process for the Republican Party is that it is overreached and has far too many regulations. So from now on, if you want to attack on another regulation, you got to get rid of two of them. That seems enormously if, straightforward if, well, and useful. If that's well, I'm if that's what it does. But I, the language that I read said two must be identified. It didn't say anything about getting rid of them. So, if I if I'm right, and I think I am, uh, then 
it would to me it would be stronger if it led well then we're gonna if you're gonna put in one regulation in place and you're gonna take two off the books and that's the end of it okay well that's that's you know that 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 is that is is significant you know and you're talking about like labor department rules and epa rules and things like that okay uh, and again, what rules are we talking about? Because every time, here's my thing about deregulation that I, I always that always strikes me as as interesting is that deregulation is always put out there as this. It is this regulations hurt everyday people. So we're talking about getting rid of. We always when we want to deregulate, we want to deregulate industries that are directly affecting everyday people. Okay, fine. But then why are we always talking about easing up regulations that that help large corporations first when we get into the specifics of the, the of the of the the regulations that are out there? Like there was this uh, rule that was put in by the EPA supposedly at the last second by Obama that they went after today that had to do with uh, mining and uh mining waste getting into water supplies. And this was touted by the Repu- the Republicans got rid of it today and this was touted by the Republicans as a great thing for industry. Well, but it's stopping it's it's and obviously water supplies are a big thing right now because of Flint and everything else and this is stopping mine waste from getting into what which has happened in Lynch, Kentucky, it's been a problem with the water supply down there because they're mining top and everything's coming down and nobody's doing anything about it. And so they tried to do something about it to help those people. But somehow letting this crap get into the water supply hurts business and so we got to we got to get it off. The, I don't understand it. You know, it um, you know, I, I've, I've had better examples than I, I don't have them in front of me right now, but I, that's, that, that's, that's why I always question this idea of deregulation because they never, t- it's like with the tax cuts, you know, we were talking about when people talk about, we're going to cut taxes and it's going to help the middle class, or we're going to raise taxes and that's only going to hurt the middle class. And well, but then when you get into talking about whose taxes you're going to cut, you're talking about cutting taxes for people that aren't going to care. You're not talking about taxes that really matter. You want to talk about cutting the payroll tax. Okay, great. Sounds good to me because that's going to help my paycheck out. But I have never seen my paycheck altered by a president. It is yet to happen. And the same thing for me kind of goes with those regulations. Am I wrong? I, I mean, we branched so far off of the executive order that I can't even... Um, one, I mean, everything... I mean, I just say quick reviewing. Everything that I'm seeing is cut. They have to cut an order. They have to cut two in order to add one. Um, and I, I mean, as far as all the other stuff, I, I mean, it de- depends on the regulations uh, and how they're worded. And, you know, with, with the water ones, I, I mean, I'm not certain. Like, I have to look at the wording of those things. And will these are these actually reasonable restrictions to put on businesses? I, I don't have answers for these things um as someone who's had to deal with a lot of this crap uh it it would be great if they would cut back some on some of the regulations you know uh from a restaurant standpoint that annoying stupid light meter that they bring in from the health department demanding you know oh there's not enough light over this lettuce as i'm standing in the most well-lit kitchen i've ever worked in 
I, you know, come on, give me a break. Uh, so I, I guess I disagree with you there. Uh, I, I, well, but nobody's talking about removing that regulation. You know what I'm saying? It, I don't know. Uh, I, I only ever hear about the regulations that are hurting, that are hurting banks and the regulations that are hurting energy companies and the regulations that are, uh, you know, hurting, uh, drug companies and all that other stuff. Uh, I, I never hear about regulations like that, that might actually do some good, you know, I, or that might actually change things for small businesses. You know what I mean? Well, I, I think we hear about the ones that are big news. Uh, and, and I don't know, we've had, <laughs> we've had a Democrat in office for the last eight years. So we'll see, we'll see what sort of regulations he cuts. Um, if he, if he cuts ones that need to be cut and are good to be cut and help everyday people, then great. If he doesn't, then we'll call BS on him. Same thing goes with the tax reforms. If he does a bunch of cutting of taxes, but the only people he's helping on millionaires, then we'll call BS on him, you know? Uh, but for now, I, I think that particular executive order, that's all I can speak to, is a step in the right direction. Well, it's, but it's, it's why, look, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to pick fights and, and start saying that I'm saying this is bad one way or the other. I'm giving you reasons why I'm skeptical of these things, but I'm not saying that it, that it can't work. I mean, prove it to me. You know, I, you know, I just, I don't, I don't necessarily, it's always touted as this great thing. And but I, I have what I, what I believe are perfectly good reasons to be a little skeptical of them. So, you know, we'll see how it checks out. I, you know, I, I, I there's, this is one of those things that I, you know, there's no telling. So anyhow, uh, this is the big one for me is the reorganization of the national security council. Um, the national security council, he removed two seats for the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff and the director of national intelligence are no longer sitting on the national security council. They have been replaced by the right honorable Steve Bannon and, uh, Reince Priebus, neither of whom have any significant national security experience. And Bannon is terrifying. Uh, I, this, this move blows me the hell away. I, 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 I don't, I can't even begin to understand it other than this is some more of Steve Bannon's Machiavellian machinations. Um, because to me, he is the real sort of freaky deaky part of all this. Uh, and the idea that he now sits on the national security council is just terrifying. Uh, but I also get his relationship with Trump. So I understand how it happened. The previous is a little surprising to me, but and uh, kicking out the chairman of the joint chiefs and the director of national intelligence off the national security council is just, it, it blows me the hell away. It really does. I mean, I don't, I don't know. What did you think? Well, for one, I'm just confused because I get a lot of different information about this because there are plenty of articles out there, like from five thirty eight saying, and, and from the Washington times saying that this this isn't that unusual. This isn't, this isn't that strange. Uh, 
you know, he's really going back to a structure that's much more similar to the way that Bush had his structured. So, you know, Bush had the way he that, had I it. I don't know that that's comforting. Right. Well, you know, that's <laughs> fair. You know, Bush had his structure the way he had it. Obama had his structure the way he had it. And now Trump has his structure the way that he's going to have it. Um, and I, I guess I'm, I, and I, 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 and I'm I, I do have a butt on that point, but go ahead. And I'm confused in, in all of the different because there's the, the NSC and there's the, there's all its principal committees um, and it, you know, and so different people are, are regulars on some and not regulars on others. And it honestly has been just a little bit confusing for me. Um, from my understanding of it at this point in time, you know, the NSC is going to talk about a whole lot of different stuff. And the director of national intelligence and the chairman of the joint chiefs and the secretary of energy are now going to be attending only those meetings that are related to things within their field. Right. So if this is a national security meeting about the military issues, then the joint chiefs guy is still going to be there. Um, but do they need to be there if it's mainly economical concerns, if it's just sort of a standard humdrum meeting? Eh, maybe not. So, I mean, I, I guess I'm, I'm not sure on where exactly they fall on this. The only thing that I will say is that I don't... I, I, Part of, so if Chief Bannon, if Chief Bannon, dear Lord, if Steve Bannon is his chief strategist and Ryan's previous is his chief of staff, I get the desire to have the him, to have them at those meetings, right? Because your chief strategist needs all the available information to come up with, help you to come up with strategies. Your chief of staff is responsible for all of your daily stuff makes sense for him to be at these meetings. Um, that said, I, I'm a little sketch personally on Stephen Bannon. So I, I, I don't know how much of my concern is stemming just from the fact that I don't like Steve, Stephen Bannon and how much of my concern is coming from that. This is actually a, a, a bad idea in general. I'm not, I'm not sure. I think for me it's a little bit of both, it, and and honestly it's probably more because I'm I I think Steve Bannon is a horrifying person, um, but uh, you know I don't I I guess I don't really understand not wanting the director of national intelligence and the chairman and chairman of the Joint Chiefs on that kind of council. I just that I'm I I just I I don't really understand that, but okay, now. Uh, all of that said, I, I do think that it is very important to maintain, you know, we talk a lot about checks and balances and the uh, need for the president to be able to make his own decisions about who is counseling him, rightly or wrongly. And there, there's, a, there's a good story. It was in uh, Team of Rivals. Uh, the book on Abraham Lincoln and his cabinet uh, by Doris Kearns Goodwin. Uh, at some point during Lincoln's, uh, about midway through Lincoln's 
first for his full term, uh, there was dissension within his cabinet from Sam and Chase, who was his uh, 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 head of the Treasury Department. And he had the as 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 the as the as the history goes, Chase was very was also very Machiavellian uh, in a lot of his scheming, uh, and he had let it slip that there was dissension within the ranks to a number of congressional members, and there was a group of congressmen that basically attempted to pressure Lincoln into removing a number of members of his cabinet, including uh, Secretary Seward. Um, I, I, do, I don't think uh, I, I don't think Stanton was in office yet at that point. And Secretary Seward had actually resigned over this, uh, although Lincoln didn't accept it. And there was this big meeting where they tried to pressure him into forcing his cabinet to resign and remake it the way that the Congress saw fit. And Lincoln held them off, basically, because Lincoln was kind of a genius when it came to people. And, uh, and it didn't happen. But it was, it, was, it was an important step in establishing the president's ability to decide for himself who will counsel him in specific times. And there's been a lot of talk about congressional interference, about getting Bannon off the council. I don't like Steve Bannon. And I think he is, frankly, the worst part of what's going on right now within the Trump administration. But if if this is what Trump wants, he's the president's. I do think it's his decision. Yeah, I mean, I think that goes without saying. Absolutely. Agreed. I mean, this is part of the executive branch. Congress doesn't get to dictate who's part of that council. Same as Trump doesn't get to dictate to Speaker Ryan who's, you know, who are his advisors. Yeah. So I I don't know. Are you I I I I didn't I I've I've wondered where you were at with Bannon because you seem to be a little on the fence about him. A few months the last time we talked about him a few months ago. I, I don't know. Are you have you read more? I've read I've read more and I don't like what I read. I mean I haven't read no I I have not read more. Um, I I went through and kind of tried to look at Breitbart and get a better understanding because I had always kind of ignored it. Um, you know and at a first glance. You know, some articles seem good. Some seem to have inflammatory headlines. You know, it's definitely on the right side of things. Um, But I mean, all of this could describe any number of news magazines, right? Vox has a lot of really good articles. It has some inflammatory headlines and generally falls on the left, you know? So all that said, you know, his seeming embrace of the alt-right which is a group that, I mean, that name was created for uh, trying to give a, a nicer tone to white supremacy. I mean, uh, that's that's not in question. That's not up for the debate. The guy who ter- coined the term is the leader of, an, of a white supremacist group. So that, that's not really debatable. And so the fact that Steve Bannon made a big deal out of we are the platform for them, that's off-putting. Now, I haven't had a chance to read a lot of his personal writings. Is that what you've gone through and read? Yeah, some of it. Okay. I've, I've read a lot of his personal stuff, and also there have been a lot. Of, there have been a lot of profiles of him going around. Uh, some of them from right-leaning groups, some from left-leaning groups. I'm trying to stay away from the, you know, because if you go too far, if you read too far to the left about Steve Bannon, you're going to find a lot of stuff that is basically portraying him the same way Fox News portrayed Obama, which I don't have any need for that. 
Um, you know, it's just too easy. Uh, but, um, you know, just a lot of the things that he has written and a lot of the, the way that he, his, the people that have worked with him, the people that have known him for a very long time, talk about him. It's a little scary. Uh, frankly, um, he had a quote from about a year ago where he one, he was very little, anybody who is laudatory of the kind of power that Dick Cheney wielded during the Bush administration freaks me out. You just are <laughs> that, that on its face is, is not good. Um, and, uh, uh, he, uh, there, he, he had a, and I don't have the entire quote in front of me, but he said one of his goals was to tear the entire system down basically because he thinks that it's fraudulent and okay. I mean, that's, that's fine. But you know, if you want to have that point of view, but you know, you're not coming at it really from a place of experience. You know, this is a guy who was a, a Goldman Sachs banker, a failed producer in Hollywood, uh, who ended up producing a lot of hardcore right wing stuff, uh, and then ended up founding Breitbart and founded a voice the same way that a lot of people found voices, not found, He didn't found Breitbart. I'm sorry, but it came to work with Andrew Breitbart who founded it, uh, you know, through a lot of his Reagan worship that was going on. And he's one of these guys that to me very much misunderstands what Reagan was, you know? Uh, and it's kind of weird. I don't know. I'll send you some of the stuff that I got that I've read. It's pretty out there. So, yeah, I don't know. That's all we have. Have you anything else? No, that, that does it for me. I was trying, trying right. to think if there was anything. I, I felt like there were some things that just came up. That, but, but no, that's, that's all I got. Well, I mean, there were, there were some things that we didn't really talk about. I mean, one, but, you know, because there was, I mean, I guess there was some, you know, some stuff today, you know, I, uh, that we, we didn't really discuss. Uh, did you see, he did take a, a stance about Israel that was interesting today. Did you see that? Yes, I did see that. That was one of the things I was trying I, to think of. Yeah, that, that was, that was interesting. I, I and not expected at all. Right. Uh, Trump said, Trump said today that, uh, uh, settlements in Israel may not are maybe counterproductive to the peace process, uh, which I I wonder I wonder what was going on in Bibi's office when he heard that. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, and that's the sort of thing I'm hoping for, and that I'm hoping a lot of his yeah, his his bluster and everything. I'm I'm hoping for a lot of you know as as I quoted Star Trek before, only Nixon can go to China kind of moments, you know. Where because of the way he's talked and because of the things that he's done and said, he's going to be able to work with Russia better than Obama was. He's going to be able to get through to Netanyahu better than Obama was able to. So that's that's what I'm hoping for. Um, that that said, the the, the Australia thing, like. Come on, what? I, I mean, I understand if you're sketch on the the refugee thing, fine, but don't tweet about it. Um, you know, this you know you well, talked about supposedly hanging up mid conversation too. Yeah. You know. So I mean, this is you know you talked in your in your you know hold him to his inauguration speech. You talked about reinforcing old alliances. Well, 
So far, you've done some damage to our alliance with Mexico, and now it looks like you're trying to do damage to our alliance with Australia. Which, I mean, Australia? Come on. Really? I mean, how hard is it to maintain a good relationship with freaking Australia? <laughs> right? So, um, you know, the, the primary concerns I had going into this are turning out to be legitimate concerns, and it's uh, it's frustrating. So... We'll, yeah. we'll just continue yeah. to see to see how it unfolds, and we you know we'll get a much better sense of how things are going to go once the legislature legislature uh, gets into gear, right? And once we actually start seeing some laws put across his desk. Yeah, well, and there you know there were a few there so there are some that are starting to they're they're not coming fast and furious, but they are coming. You know, it's you know like the the rescinding of the one thing today that'll that'll definitely hit his desk and. You know, I, I, I don't, I don't know. You know, there, there's, there's a lot of, I am, I am trying not to, the, the thing with me is that I am trying not to get outraged over every little statement. There were about 12 different statements in that address to the national prayer breakfast this morning that just absolutely made me furious. Like the repealing of the, the Johnson amendment and, uh, you know, spending half the time talking about his ratings on the, the, on the apprentice, um, you know, and taking pot shots at CNN yesterday during the during the Black History Month thing, and you know, I'm I just I want, wanting him to just shut up and go do his job is not going to happen. So I'm choosing not to <laughs> not to approach it like that. Uh, so you know, as at least as much as possible. So uh, you know, I did want to talk about the 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 op in Yemen. You know, because we didn't. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that was a big deal. That was the first service member, you know, to lose their life, you know, obviously thoughts going out to their family, uh, you know, under, under president Trump. And there's a lot of chatter out there that that may have been that on one hand that may not have gone well. It obviously it didn't go well. We lost somebody. Uh, we also lost a $70 million helicopter and four of our guys got injured and 10 civilians are dead. But then, you know, uh, it, it's hard to, it, it's not an apples to apples thing when it comes to civilian casualties. Cause quite frankly, the Obama administration has an awful lot of blood on their hands from a standpoint of civilian casualties too. So, you know, um, that's tough, but I just, what, what concerns me now is that a lot of what I was afraid of, which is that you're just giving, you give groups like ISIS fuel with this stuff. And so now what we've done just in the last five days is you have that you have that picture of that beautiful little girl who was killed she's 8 years old and was killed during that raid and then you have the muslim ban is it a muslim ban or isn't it a muslim ban it's not a muslim ban it might be a muslim ban but according to isis it'll be a muslim ban so you have what they're going to call a muslim ban and the image of that little girl all within about 72 hours coming right out of the states and going straight to isis for propaganda and I think that that's nerve wracking a little bit. And it is nerve wracking. And, you know, when one aspect of the ban that we didn't really touch on was the stress on reaching out, on letting in people who were suffering from religious persecution. So I guess maybe we can, we can touch on that maybe at another time. But just the idea that is he, is this a way for him to let, you know, this idea of letting more Christians in uh, or sort of prioritizing them and whether or not that's a bad thing. 
And well, and does that see does that give fuel to the idea that it is a Muslim ban? And, and I get the because, idea that it would, you know. but at the same time, that's not a weird thing for us to do, right? When when the Jews were being persecuted, we let in more Jewish refugees, right? And there's no question that in some of these countries, Christians are being killed. So do we not give them the same the same preference that we gave to Jews and I and again I don't I'm I am not I'm every every liberal person I know is going to hate me for saying this but you cannot get around the fact that there is that no no Christians coming out of any of those countries in the Middle East are committing terrorist attacks. Yeah. That's that that is something that 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 frankly a lot of the liberals that are outraged about that, that that's hard to deny with that. It is. You know, it just is true. And everyone makes it out as if, you know, well, how are you going to know? You're just going to ask them, you know, how are they? How do we know they're not going to lie? Well, it's not like they don't undergo vetting and, and trying to see and prove, you know, have they been involved in the Christian community? Are they part? These are all provable things. Um, The Christians have, the Christians have that mole, you know, right. Look for it. That's really right. Yeah. Okay. That's dumb. <laughs> you know, like, but if for some, suddenly there was a Catholic persecution in the United States and I had to flee, it would be easily provable that I was a Catholic, that this wasn't something I was saying to just try to get past and, and get out of the country. Right. There, there's no way that I am actually, you know, surprised I'm a Hindu and, but I'm going to try to sneak across as a Catholic. Right. Like that, that. So, I mean, it's not like this is something that's not provable. So I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm glad, I guess that I'll say, I'm glad that there's going to be a specific attempt to reach out to religious groups in these countries that have been persecuted. Undoubtedly, there are religious groups that are not Christian, that are others that are being persecuted in those countries and they should be reached out to as well. Um, but I, I am glad that that's going to become a priority. I don't know that I would say that I'm glad about it, but I don't know that it bothers me quite because I've given that a lot of thought over the last couple of days. And, and I don't, I don't know that I would go so far as to say that I'm glad about it, but I, I don't know that it makes the entire thing a clear cut Muslim ban the way that some people are trying to portray it as that, that was some sort of sneaky way of making it a Muslim ban without calling it a Muslim ban. You see what I'm saying? Right. And I, and I get that concern. And I think I, I feel like those concerns have been sufficiently addressed and allayed. Fair enough. I concur. So, all right. Well, that's it. I think I'm going to take us out with something. Please cool do. Because I failed at this mission last week. So I, uh, tonight I will do it. There were a, a tremendous amount of stories, uh, a write up of which was in the LA times about uh, American servicemen, going to the aid of friends of theirs that were immigrants, refugees from Iraq, who helped us during the Iraq war, who couldn't get back into the country after the ban. Uh, one particular story, a gentleman who had been in a U.S. military serviceman during the Iraq war personally knew a friend who had worked as an interpreter, helped the U.S. Army at great risk, to his own life and his family's life came to the United States and then couldn't get back in. He went down, found his family, 
talked to his wife, talked to his kids, and then helped him find a lawyer and helped them navigate what was a remarkably confusing situation. I'm not trying to place blame on anyone, but stories like that are a reminder to me about what it is to be an American serviceman, which is to, at your own, at risk to your own life, regardless of politics, to try to look after the last, the lost, and the least. And I... I, I was just remarkably moved by those stories and, and saying that, and, and the, a number of them saying, look, this is what, this is why we fight to stand up for these people. And they helped us. And now it's our chance to help them. Uh, I thought it was wonderful. That is wonderful. That's extremely cool. Thank you for that. Thank you so much for joining us. That's all we have this week. We, uh, we promise this will not get up quite so late uh, this week. That was sort of my fault. I got caught up watching a basketball game Tuesday night. My bad. Uh, so, and my bad, Kentucky. I was late getting it in. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all our fault. You won't get a week's worth of news a week late, not really. So anyhow, yeah, thank you so much for joining us. Check us out on Twitter. I'm at Libcon Matt Sim is Libcon Tim. Have an outstanding week, and we'll talk to you soon.